Good morning. Welcome the second Sunday after Lent to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. It's nice to see you here. I wanted to share a few things before we begin. Uh, as always, I invite you to silence your phones at this time as a gift to yourself and, of course, to your neighbor. Next, if you wish to commune from your pew, which is an option, you may do so by obtaining a communable, one of those little hourglass-shaped cups outside in the narthex on the table. Otherwise, we'll invite you forward, as always, to kneel at the railings uh, and receive accordingly. In addition to the continued use of communables, we are taking um, additional COVID precautions. First, whenever I give communion, I always uh, wear a mask. Second, um, if uh, you are inclined to hug or shake hands during the sharing of the peace, let me offer an alternative. When we get to that point in the service, simply share a sign of peace like this or like this uh, to your closest neighbors. That way we can continue to uh, be safe um, as we proceed into the endemic phase of the pandemic. Next, I want to welcome the Reverend Stephen Crippen. Uh, he led a, a really intriguing forum today, the winner of which, uh, there was a, a book that was won, a copy of his book is none other than Susan Evans. So congratulations, you won the book, and Stephen will have it autographed for you uh, after uh, the service. Uh, finally, let us take a moment now uh, to prepare ourselves for worship. Please rise as you are able for our gathering hymn, number 321, Eternal Lord of Love, Behold Your Church.
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For this, for the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Let us pray. O God, in the waters of baptism, you bring us to new birth to live as your children. Strengthen our faith in your promises, that by your Spirit we may lift up your life to all the world through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. The first reading comes from Genesis, the 12th chapter. God's call of Abram and Sari has a clear purpose, that through them all the families of the earth shall gain a blessing. As they set out on their journey, they are accompanied by promises of land, nation, and a great reputation. A reading from the book of Genesis. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Word of God, word of life.
The second reading comes from Roman, the fourth chapter. In the person and example of Abraham, we discover that a right relationship with God does not involve earning a reward from God, but entails trusting God's promises. Abraham is the forebear and model for both Jews and Gentiles, because we too trust that ours is a God who gives life to the dead. A reading from Paul's letter to the Romans. What are we to say to be, was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or to his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the adherents of the law, who are to be their heirs? Faith is small and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason, it depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the adherents of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham, for he is the father of all of us, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls existence the things that do not exist. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. Please rise for the reading of the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, o Lord. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses. 
and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Gospel of the Lord. He came to Jesus by night. Night. This means something. This is not just a time stamp. It's not a meaningless detail from a remembered conversation, as in, oh, well, yes, I went to see Jesus. I think it was after dark, if I'm not mistaken. No. Night is where ignorance reigns. In other encounters with Jesus, the Pharisees can see with their physical eyes, but their blindness to the truth is a kind of night. They are benighted. Or night is worse than ignorance. Night is the dominion of evil. When Judas gets up and leaves the table before Jesus is arrested, when he gets up to betray Jesus, John the evangelist then says, and it was night. Nicodemus does not prove to be evil, but he comes to Jesus in the night, nonetheless, the night of his own ignorance, the night of his own anxiety, the night that descends on someone and surrounds someone when they don't have the full picture. They don't get it. At least they don't get it yet. But don't count Nicodemus out He returns to the story twice after this nocturnal encounter. And each time, he distinguishes himself as a worthy ally of the movement. But for now, he is in the night. And I can't resist encouraging you to give even Judas Iscariot a second look. Yes, Judas is lost in a terrible night of wretched betrayal. But Jesus may somehow be finding him there, even now. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. So yes, the night of ignorance and evil is awful, but Jesus is also found there. Nicodemus, Judas, all of us, if we find ourselves in the night, we will also find Jesus. He is staying up late, On the night, Nicodemus searches for him. Jesus stays up in the night for anyone 
who might restlessly be seeking a way out of the night of their own ignorance. Jesus stays up. He welcomes the conversation. He is there to shine some light. Some scholars read the encounter of Nicodemus and Jesus as a story of confrontation, challenge, debate, a contest. They can trace in the text the pattern of ancient Greek and Near Eastern debating rituals. There's the opening line that disingenuously flatters the opponent. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. And then there's the incredulous questions that sound almost cynical. Nicodemus may be goading Jesus into deeper conflict and only feigning ignorance when he says, how can these things be? And Jesus is a worthy adversary, lightly taunting Nicodemus with the dry line, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? I like that line. But even if this is a hostile encounter, Nicodemus is impressively open-minded. He stays in conversation with Jesus, and again, he returns two more times in the daytime to stay in relationship with Jesus. Later, in the Gospel according to John, a few chapters on, Nicodemus encourages other leaders to keep an open mind about this odd Galilean who seems to be provoking the people into what amounts to a rebellion. Nicodemus says to his angry colleagues, our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? Notice the invitational stance here. He doesn't throw down with the leaders. He's not berating them. He's just asking a question, inviting them to stop, listen, and discern. And again, this is now the daytime. Nicodemus is emerging from ignorance. His mind is opening. Then much later, it is Nicodemus who quietly helps bury the crucified Jesus. And he brings 100 pounds of myrrh and aloes to anoint the body. This is the burial of a monarch. It is as if Jesus is going into a pyramid or the Taj Mahal. 100 pounds. This is a lavish, startling proclamation by Nicodemus about the royal identity of Jesus. Jesus, says Nicodemus, while holding a dizzyingly expensive amount of fine spices. Jesus is the king. So place me in the camp of those who think this encounter in the night is not a hostile debate. In our era, maybe the last thing we need is pointers on how to beat your opponent in a cynical war of words. As benighted as Nicodemus might be, he wants to learn. He wants to understand. He wants to change and grow. Nicodemus has been called the patron of curiosity. That is, the saint for anyone who cultivates a life of curiosity and rejects polarization and reductive, destructive conflict. This week I learned a little about the National High School Ethics Bowl. I don't know if you've heard of it. If it were a Christian organization, it would take Nicodemus as its founder and patron. The National High School Ethics Bowl. 
I was never a good debater in high school, but I remember the basics. There are two sides in conflict, affirmative and negative. If you're in the affirmative, you have to defend your thesis about a topic in every particular. But if you're in the negative, you need only make one persuasive argument against the thesis, and the affirmative side falls in defeat. High school debate is rigorous, and I think fundamentally good. It teaches kids how to think critically. But listen to how the National High School Ethics Bowl is designed. Here's a description from their website. An ethics bowl differs from a speech and debate competition in that students are not assigned opposing views. Rather, they defend the position that they actually hold or think is reasonable, and they provide each other with constructive criticism, and they win by demonstrating that they have thought rigorously and systematically about the cases, and they have engaged respectively and supportively with all participants." End quote. It's a respectful competition but it encourages authentic perspectives about an important topic, and it encourages people to collaborate, to cooperate, to step out of the night. What a wonderful thing. Healthy debate is not meant to identify winners and losers. The life of the mind is not a contest. It's not a zero-sum game. When we find Jesus in the night, we bask in the light of shared inquiry, cooperative curiosity, collaborative discernment. Notice then how the relationship of Nicodemus and Jesus shifts and they quietly change places. When they first meet, Nicodemus is in need of enlightenment, lost in the night of ignorance. But by the end, Nicodemus is a graceful witness to the world about the good news of Jesus Christ, while Jesus himself is in the night of death. This is a spiritual friendship that nourishes and cares for both persons. They emerge from the night together. What might be the night of your own experience, of your own life? What blocks the sun for you? Maybe you enjoy a cultural privilege that blinds you to the experience of those who are not educated, or they have not inherited wealth, or they are persons of color, or their gender identity moves them down in our cultural system of oppression. Or maybe your night is not that dreadful, but you are under a shadow cast by your own preferences and habits. You live your life much as you always have, so there are people and experiences that are unfamiliar to you and therefore frightening. Or it's a different kind of dreadful night that overshadows you. Maybe you are a survivor of trauma and you find it exceedingly hard to trust anyone, to build friendship, to live comfortably in the light. Or you are in the night of deep remorse because of something you have done. Whatever our fears may be, our limitations, our injuries, our nagging uncertainties, whatever benights us, 
we are invited, like Nicodemus and like Abram and Sarai long before him, we are invited to simply go, to step into the night, into the unfamiliar, into that which frightens us. There we will find Jesus, who stayed up to talk to us. We will find Jesus here in this gathered community, which is the body of Christ. Here we will find friendship, collaboration, cooperation, a shared curiosity. Here we will find ministers by our side, even unto death, when they will bring fabulous spices to honor our dignity as members of Christ's royal priesthood. So step out into the night. Bring your questions. Notice your fears. Out here in the wee hours, long before sunrise, you will find Jesus embodied by this gathered community. And they brought their questions too. Many of your friends feel the same fears you have. And for many of your friends, the night is quite dreadful, maybe for some of them, much worse than yours. But this community has Jesus as its founder and guide. This is Christ's body, risen and active in the world, shining light ever outward. Now that you've found Jesus in the night, what question might you ask first?
Let us now confess our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 7 in your worship bulletin. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven. For the prayers of the church, we invite you to be seated or kneel, whichever your preference. Sustained by God's abundant mercy, let us pray for the church, the world, and all of creation. God, you love your church. Raise up leaders who care for your people. Bless theologians, seminary and college professors, and all who are called to the ministry of teaching, that they form and inspire us to live out the gospel. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, you love your creation. Breathe your power of renewal upon this pale blue dot that we call home. Guide the work of researchers, scientists, and activists who love your earth and inspire us to care for the natural world. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, you so love the world. Uphold leaders who resist tyranny and oppression. Strengthen organizations that promote peace and harmony. Direct their work to alleviate human suffering and to address the root causes. Lord, in your mercy. Oh God, you love your people. Draw near to all who live with mental illness, depression, or addiction and accompany them in healing and recovery. Hear the cries of those who look to you in their distress. Lord, in your mercy, hear our O God, you love your children. Bless the young in our midst and delight us with their joy, wonder, and curiosity. Revive our ministry with children and youth as we prepare to welcome a new Christian and youth ministry coordinator and equip us to support him in pursuing our mission. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For whom or what else do the people of God pray? Kind and loving God, we pray for all those gathered here today, particularly those who find themselves like Nicodemus did in the night, 
be with them in the midst of uncertainty and open their hearts to the presence of Christ wherever he is to be found. We pray as well for Kyle's friend Jeff, for Gordon, for Georgian and her family, for the family of Sharon, the family of Lee, my family, for Kara's friend Lena, for the Unseth family, the Ritchie family, for Candy, for Eunice, for Elena, for Richard, for Jim, for Kirsten, for Matthew, for Kathleen, for Finley, for Kirsty, for the family of Michael, John's friend, for Christine, Joan's cousin, for Awatosh Mulageta, for Jan, Jean, Richard, Barb, pray for Denny, Hildy, Mary, Carol. We pray for Connie as she recovers from her heart procedure and we pray for Pat's sister, Donna, in her recovery from surgery. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Oh God, you love the saints. As our predecessors in faith have blessed us, inspire us by their example to be a blessing to others. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. We offer our prayers to you, O oh God, trusting in your steadfast love and your promise to renew your whole creation through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. Amen. Please rise as you are able. The peace of Christ be with you always. Let us share a sign of that peace with our neighbors. With you. Peace be with you. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right, our duty and our joy, that we should at all times and in all places give thanks and praise to you, almighty and merciful God, through our Savior Jesus Christ. You call your people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast that renewed in the gift of baptism, we may come to the fullness of your grace. And so with all the choirs of angels, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn.
In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this for the remembrance of me. As we prepare our hearts for this holy meal, let us pray the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, our All baptized Christians are welcome to participate in this holy meal. In the Lutheran tradition, we teach that Christ is present in all things, but present in a special way toward us in the bread and wine of Holy Communion. If you are receiving communion from the pew, I invite you at this time to take out your communable and follow my lead. Come and taste the joy of God. This is the body of Christ broken for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you.
You can remain seated for our post-communion prayer. Holy One, we thank you for the healing that comes to us in this meal. Renew our desire for justice. Inspire us to be kind toward others and help us journey humbly with you. Amen. Welcome once again to Queen Anne Lutheran Church. Our mission is to proclaim the love of God in Christ for every person. We are absolutely glad to see you here today. I want to begin by inviting our guest speaker to share a few words. Uh, the Reverend Stephen Crippen joined us for the forum this morning to talk about his new book, Remorse and Its Remedies. He also, as you know, uh, preached not only at this service but at the first and has uh, a history here at Queen Anne Lutheran. From 1998 to 2003, he was the choir director and the organist. Stephen, I'd like to invite you forward to say a few words about your, your new book, uh, which I think is really exciting. Good morning, it's good to see you. And I um, go back far enough here at Queen Anne Lutheran Church that I miss, or I've noticed the absence of this choir loft which used to be here and is now um, better used as a kitchen for your <laughs> coffee hour and for your narthex. And it's good to see you. Um, Andrew and I both were here for many years, Andrew before me, and he's here today too, so please say hello if you remember him. And we, um, uh, I, I statements, I was formed by you in many ways and have carried you with me over these past 20 years in lots of different ways in my journey away from Lutheran practice into Episcopal and then through formation for the diaconate and then the priesthood in the Episcopal Church. And I bring you greetings from uh, the bottom of Counterbalance Hill where St. Paul's Church is. We are um, in partnership with you in many ways and have a lot of overlaps with you uh, in how we do church and why we do church. And so it's good to be here with you, and I also miss my people down at St. Paul's Episcopal Church. I will have copies of my book available at Coffee Hour. Um, it's about a topic that is, at first glance, a little gloomy, but it actually is about deep grace and joy, the topic of remorse, and what does one do when you realize that you have done something you should not have done? And it's a topic that I think a lot of Christian communities avoid, because we don't wanna be seen as grumpy or closed or negative, and it actually is a path of deeper grace. And so I would be happy to say hello to you after the liturgy and greet you and share my little book with you. So thank you. I do wanna thank um, our, the chair of our um, Christian Education Committee who also happens to be our assisting minister today. She had the uh, initial idea to invite Stephen to join us after learning about the forthcoming publication of his book. Speaking of, next Sunday we have another uh, author discussing her new book, Astrotopia, The Dangerous Religion of the Corporate Space Race. That forum had to be rescheduled for next Sunday due to uh, a technical issue when it was originally supposed to occur. So I can assure you that will not happen again. Uh, March 12th, next Sunday, 9 to 10 a.m., join us for a discussion with past Professor Mary Jane Rubenstein of Wesleyan University 
uh, to discuss um, her new book. I wanted to say next uh, a word of uh, gratitude toward our amazing choir. You sounded wonderful today, and I, I, I'm just so fortunate to be in a church where we not only appreciate the liturgy, but we also um, uh, sing in response to the wonderful grace we've been given by God and sing well. So thank you to the choir as well as to our ushers, uh, our counters, and all our volunteers who continue to make Queen Anne Lutheran Church thrive as a ministry, even if we don't have as many people. That, I'm hoping, will change. Next, uh, I'm sorry, today from 4 to 6 at St. John's United Lutheran Church, we have a youth event where four of our youth will be attending. I believe Jenna is one of them, which is really exciting. They're going to be uh, um, invited to learn about pie making, which I think uh, sounds really, really terrific. How is this connected with uh, folks attending our church? We will be soon welcoming uh, a new uh, children and youth ministry coordinator, and I, uh, I hope you look for uh, new ways that new life is springing forth uh, in the hiring of this individual. So uh, please look for that and encourage families uh, to attend as more youth programming will begin to appear soon. Like a blessing of your home. Uh, about two months ago, I did a house blessing and it was such a meaningful practice. I wanted to make this available to the whole congregation. So if you have moved into a new home or think that your, uh, your existing home could use a blessing, I would love to come by. It's about 20 minutes and it involves uh, a candle uh, in each of the major rooms of your house uh, where we say a prayer and recite scripture. So if you're interested in a house blessing, please reach out to me and please note, I thought this was, I actually thought Barb was going to get rid of this in the final form of the copy, exorcism included for a nominal fee. Um, that's, <laughs> it's not exactly true. Although if that fee is fairly large, I will consider it. Um, finally, just a couple more quick announcements. Uh, we continue our midweek Lenten services at noon in the chapel, and then again at 7.30 with a Compline service led by one of our uh, church members. Please join us. It's a wonderful opportunity for us not only to dwell in gloom, but also to experience the, the freeing grace of God uh, in response to uh, our uh, brokenness. Are there any other announcements for the good of the congregation? So just to reiterate, two quick announcements there. Spring planning on March 25th at the Daybreak Star Indian Cultural Center. Uh, Sign-up sheet available with Lisa or in the Quill, which is just, uh, just out, so please be sure to read a copy online or pick up a copy in the Narthex. And then second, Sunday, March 26th, after uh, worship, there will be a meeting with Kim Rooney, our landscape architect, about the, we'll call it the triangle for now. Uh, in the front and our, our plans for restoration and renovation. Andy?
That is absolutely wonderful. Welcome. That's a long commute. A little, little more than what I traveled from the parsonage here, which is about a half mile away. Um, we are delighted to welcome you uh, into uh, our fellowship and community. So glad you can be with us and that you can participate in other ways with the, uh, the circle. So welcome here. Thank you for being here. Let us close now with the blessing. Please rise as you are able. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Our sending hymn, Restore in Us, O God, is number 328 in the Red Hymnal. Amen. 